Hey, good morning, Life Chapel friends and family. You guys ready to praise the Lord this morning? Come on, stand up on your feet with us as we get started. And don't be scared to sing loud, sing proud. Okay? <laughs> All right. Can y'all put your hands together? Can you clap this morning? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, now, good practice. Let's get good. <laughs> We're also going to make sure our bass player is turned on. Uh-oh. There it is.
our heart and we are opening our heart and we are surrendering to whatever he wants to do. So thank you, Lord, that you're always here. You always meet us. Yeah. 
hold back your praise. You're as ready with banners to praise him. Come on.
morning, we just thank you so much for your peace. Thank you so much for the peace that passes all our understanding. When our thoughts are going crazy, when our thoughts are just bombarding our emotions, God, we just trust in your peace. Anybody in this church just trust in his peace this morning? Let yes. me hear you say yes, yes, yes. Amen. Let's do this. Let's take a moment, and uh, I want to spend just a special time in prayer together. Um, and it really has to do with this right here. Many of you have heard um, that uh, Miss Deborah Haynes, uh, has, she's with Jesus now. Uh, Miss Le- Deborah and Larry, they come, they just sit in the back there. Uh, uh, Miss Deborah had been on uh, in the ICU for quite a while. But what we need to do now as a church family is let's just join together in prayer that Larry, Micah, Amy, Jessica, and that entire family experiences the peace of God like they have never experienced before. We know somebody lost their wife Friday. Somebody lost their mama Friday. Grandma, my grandma. Can we just extend our faith in this moment where we're in the peace of God and just pray for them? Will you bow and will you join me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you've given us the lens of eternity. Father, we're not scared of death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Do you have been conquered by the king? And Lord, we just thank you right now that you're sending the peace of God, sending your peace through your comforter, Holy Spirit, into the hearts of the Haynes family as they mourn. Father, we know that sorrow is turned into gladness. We know that mourning is turned into joy. So, Father, during this time of them just calling out for your comfort, calling out for your help, Father, will you just bring comfort to Larry? Bring comfort to Micah, Amy, Jessica, the entire family. Bring your Holy Spirit's comfort. May they mourn well by leaning on you in this moment of this this very hard day. Lord, we just praise you that Miss Deborah is rejoicing. God, we have joy knowing that there is eternity with you. We have joy in knowing that we will get to see our loved ones again. We have joy in knowing that we, like you, Jesus, will be resurrected. We take joy, not in sadness, but, Lord, in the knowing that there is tomorrow in heaven with you. Thank you, God, that Miss Deborah did not pass from life to death, but she simply passed from life to life. In the name of Jesus, we actually celebrate. We celebrate you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We bless your name. Well, hey, uh, let's jump into today's message. We're continuing on in our series called Good Works. We know that good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto, somebody say it with me, good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We've been asking ourselves this question. As Christians, how do you know if you're performing your job description? How do you know if you're pleasing your employer? How do you know if you're pleasing God? What are those good works he has created us to do? Our one-liner for the series is this. Every believer's faith must demonstrate good works so that God can profit. We know that salvation is not by works. We can't earn it, but salvation works. 
In our first week, we looked at James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, and we saw that faith in action produces good works. We saw that practical needs are open doors for good works, and that no good works equals dead faith. Show me your works, I'll show you your faith. In our second week, we talked about the spiritual life job description of a Christian. If we are a spirit being, what is our job description? What does it look like? We likened it to a job application. Like you put a, uh, if, a if a company needs to hire somebody, they put out a uh, job something telling, hey, this is what we need. I'm blanking. But anyways, um, on that job skills uh, description, thank you, you have your actual task that you have to perform. And then you have to have job skills, right? Like if you want to be a pastor, you actually need to talk. It makes sense. Blah, 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 blah. Now, um, we, we've heard it said, if you're, if you're a salesman, you, you have to know how to sell, right? And you've also heard as a consumer, never trust a skinny salesman, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. You know, you never heard that? Never trust a skinny salesman? Well, they're skinny because they haven't sold enough to get food and eat. Never mind. But one thing you can trust in is that God himself has given us Jesus as the perfect example of how to live a spiritual life job description. In Luke chapter 2, verse 46, the Bible says, After three days, they, being Mary and Joseph, found Jesus in the temple complex, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. We saw that from this passage, Jesus exemplified and we can trust the example, how to live a spiritual life job description by these three things. First off, he engaged in the scriptures. How did he engage? He engaged in the temple complex, which is basically where groups of people who meet together study the Bible, kind of like church today. He was an active listener of the Word of God, and he asked questions. The second way Jesus exemplified spiritual life is that Jesus was baptized. We're going to be baptizing two awesome ladies at the end of service today. I'm very excited about that. Baptism is an external showing of the internal uh, implication of the heart. It's, it's the faith being revealed outwardly. The, the third thing that we see Jesus doing to have this perfect example of a spiritual life job description is that the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he stayed full of the Holy Spirit by staying spiritually connected to God. Luke 5.16 says, Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Luke 9.28 says, About eight days after these words, he took along Peter, John, and James, went up to the mountain to pray. We saw that the fourth component to this spiritual life job description is staying spiritually to connect to God individually or personal connection to God and corporately. It's important to each, every one of us spend spiritual alone time with God. But it's also important to stay connected together as we pursue God. All right, so let's jump into today's fresh content. I'm calling today Mind Control. Mind Control. Now, obviously, we're not talking about Professor X from the X-Men. Do y'all know Professor X? That dude right there? Yeah, we're not talking about him. We're not talking about telepathy. We're not talking about none of that. We're not talking about controlling um, others' thoughts, but we're simply talking about controlling what happens to the thoughts that come inside our minds through our ears, 
through our eyes, and through spiritual influences. Now, are you aware that your mind has a job description? Now think about this. We're talking about a series of good works. What does controlling our mind have to do with good works? I'm glad you thought that question. The Bible gives us lots of examples of how to control the mind, how to almost gauge what stays up in our thought processes. But before we get into those, let's ask the question, why? Why is it important to adhere to God's job description for our lives? As Christians, we have to be as different on the inside as we are on the outside. You know, we're talking about good works. That means action. But we have to show good works on the inside so it will impact the outside. Let's look at today's Bible verse in Luke chapter 11. Verses 33 through 36. Jesus says this. No one lights a lamp and puts it in the cellar or under a basket, but on a lampstand, so that those who come in may see its light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Verse 35, take care then that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no part of it in darkness, it will be entirely illuminated as when a lamp shines its light on you. Jesus is teaching us that what's on the inside will shine outwardly. Is it darkness that comes in our actions from the inside of who we are? Or is it light that exudes in our actions? Think of it this way. Our thoughts illuminated are our actions. When you look at the example here of the light, when, when something's coming inside of us, what stays there? It's kind of like seeds being planted. What stays in the soil of your mind will take root if you let it. It will mature. It will grow and it will produce a fruit. That's how the thought process works. If good works is the way that we profit God, then the inside of our mind must be good as well. If our thoughts are not good, if they're not sober, if they're not controlled, our works are not going to be either. Did you see what verse 36 says? If therefore your whole body is full of light with no, no part of darkness in it, then it will be entirely illuminated as when a lamp shines its light on you. Our minds can be filled with light, illuminating good works, or our minds will be filled with darkness, illuminating evil works. So how do we control our thoughts so that they can be good and illuminate good works? Well, it requires effort. Uh, when I was praying over this sermon the other day, the Holy Spirit put this simple statement in my mind and in my thought, and I had to dwell on it and keep going and going. This is what the Lord said to me. He said, the mind that follows me is never lazy. The mind that follows me is never lazy. Letting our mind produce good works takes intentionality. You know, it's the old um, efficiency saying, don't be acted upon, but act upon. Be proactive, not reactive. The mind that follows God is not lazy. You know what laziness produces? Proverbs has a lot to say about laziness. 
Chapter 18, verse 9 says this. The one who is truly lazy in his work is brother to a vandal. The one who is truly lazy is brother to a vandal. You know what a vandal is, right? A thief. The person who's lazy, they're like brothers with a vandal. In chapter 19, verse 15, this is so true. Laziness induces deep sleep. And a lazy person will go hungry. You know, an employee that is lazy usually doesn't last very long as an employee, right? There's exceptions, sure, but most of the time that's the case. A Christian's mind who is lazy will not pursue God and will not produce good works. Check this out. The mind, I'm going to today kind of, here, here's the, uh, the two points. You know, that's the introduction. Here's the two points. The, the mind has two modes that we must continually operate in to follow Christ. The first mode I call battle mode. I feel like, uh, you know, when we watched the other night uh, Space Jam here, you know, there's that power-up mode, and the kid throws, the, yeah, Space Jam, that's right, and he powers up, and he gets the upgrade. We have to have, like, battle mode. Now, what are we battling with our minds? We're battling against temptation. We're battling against sinful wants, and we're battling against spiritual influences that are whispering to our thoughts to misguide us. Here's what James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 says. This is like the sin 101. Do you want to know how to sin? Watch. This is how. Verse 13. No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God. Because God doesn't tempt people, right? For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted. It doesn't say each person sins. It says each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Do you see the process there? The temptation is not a sin. You and I could be tempted by something, but it's not a sin. It's not at all. Unless you let that temptation conceive. When you think about where babies come from, conception is when two things come together to create a third new thing. Evil desire and the acceptance of the temptation. And when sin is mature, it gives birth to death. Temptation comes in as many forms as there are people in this room, right? You all have your temptations you have to overcome. I have mine that I have to overcome. There are some that are obviously common to us all, but the bait that Satan uses and the flesh you have to lure you into sin is specifically tailored to you. Congratulations. It's like viruses on a computer. There's some that'll go everywhere, but there's some that'll... It'll just try to knock its little head, and, you know, on your email, and if you open it, and it's like, ah, you know, it's specifically tailored to your Gmail account. So here's what I, I want to show you, kids. I hope you're excited because I got a little video of something I want to show you, and then uh, I'll need Mr. York Jr. to come help me in just a minute. Um, how do you combat temptation? I want you to watch this video. Are you ready?
Incredible footwork from. Okay, watch him. Okay, pause it right there, okay? Pause it right there. Here we go. So, this is how I play ping pong. Are you ready, Jake? I'm ready. Uh oh. Hold on. No points, he says. Remember, take, I'm a rookie. Do you see how much effort we're putting into it? It's just kind of like, ready, go. Oh, yeah. Now, compare us to them. Now, watch this. This is kind of like, boom, boom. Man, it's just like, what are they doing? Okay, pause it. And so, this, this right here, the ping pong ball, you can pause it for a minute, guys. Oh, man, it's like subliminal messaging. Dang, I mean, just look at the way they're whacking that. Could you imagine watching the guys? They probably even grunt, too. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But it's cool. All right, you can go ahead and, you can go ahead and stop. Oh. <laughs> All right, there we go, battle mode. See, you're battling the enemy computer. Here we go. Here we go. So if this is temptation and Jake... You're going to represent all the bad things in the world, like the flesh, um, sin. Yeah, so here we go. And I'm a Christian. This is how you battle that temptation thought. You can do that. You can do that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, hold on. So this represents me battling by myself against sin. Addie Kate. Addie Kate, come here. I need your help real quick. Come here, come here, come here. I didn't tell Jake about this next part. Okay, come here. Thank you. All right, so if this is representing me on my own will, overcoming sin and temptation, what happens when we partner it with the Word of God, meaning you use the Scriptures? Thank you, Eddie So this is like battling temptation with the Bible. You ready, Jay? Bring it. Okay, do it again. I wasn't ready. I nearly knocked the microphone off. <laughs> Boom! Yeah! You can bring it up, Elisha. Thanks. Come on. That was fun. You do it again? All right. Cool. Thank you. Man, he's a natural Bible, Chase. Cool. So, what's the difference between me trying to fight temptation on my own, meaning, uh, all right, whatever, I don't need to think on that, or I don't want to feel that way, and me adding the Word of God to it? And by that, here's what I mean. When temptation enters your court, so bring it to me. Uh-oh, I'm being tempted. What do I do with it? Either I can just try to stop thinking about it by thinking something different, which you should, but instead of just thinking about something different, think about a scripture to combat that temptation thought. You ready, Jake? Bring it. Boom! Thank you, Coach. All right, thank you, Jake. Give it up for Mr. Jake York. Uh, sure, just move that out of the way. <laughs> So how do we stay in combat mode? We have to continually have the Word of God prepared 
A good soldier is always prepared for battle. So if your temptation, which is tailored to you, has to do with maybe it's just um, maybe it's a feeling, a certain emotion, anxiety, or fear, what does the Bible say about that? And whenever you start having those tentative thoughts, instead of just thinking on something else like pizza, spaghetti, or meatballs, think about the Bible says God is always with me. Maybe you fear loneliness. God is for my ever-present help. You know, maybe it's a temptation where it's uh, anxiety. You know, the Bible says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Be prepared to battle temptation with the Word of God. How do you do that? You simply think on something different. But it works awesome if you think on the Word of God. And keep fighting. All right. So... How do we stay our minds on the course? The first is battle mode. The second is decision mode. So if we are made for good works and we need to have good works, then what good works are we supposed to do? How do we know if an opportunity is a good work? Well, if battle mode is like the defense, well, this will kind of be like the service. Well, I'm getting ready to serve, right? How do you know what God's desire for you is in doing good works. Is it safe to presume that all good works are equal and pleasing and profitable to God and just do all good works that come in our way? We would never be able to sleep. You know, we would never be able to have family time because we'd always be doing. So there's got to be a tailored plan for us from God. Romans 12, 1 through 2. This is one of those, you know, verses that we should probably all have sort of what memorized or at least be able to get the idea of. It says this, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your spiritual worship. Watch this. Do not be conformed. Somebody say, do not be conformed. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern, so that you may discern, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. If there is a good will of God and there is a pleasing will of God and there's a perfect will of God, that means there's a bad will of man. There's a non-pleasing will of man. And there is an imperfect plan that we can try to walk out. It will not, it will not profit God, though, if we do our own thing. We have to be mindful in discerning what God's plan is, and it has to do with the Word of God in our minds. It really does. Remember this. We said, uh, the, the Lord spoke to me, that the mind that follows me is never lazy. Uh, let me give this one to you. A conformed mind is a lazy mind. A conformed mind is a lazy mind. It simply goes with the flow and accepts the comfortableness of the norm. However, we have to be different as Christians. When we are dealing with social issues or just moral declines in the culture, we cannot conform to the norm. That's laziness. We have to be people of discernment and discretion. Discretion is one of my favorite words when we when look at the book of Proverbs. Look at what Proverbs 3.21 says. The wise person is told this. Maintain your competence, your ability to do, and your discretion. My son, don't lose sight of them. 
isn't in your care, if they haven't asked you to be their savior, if they're not in relationship with you daily, God, I pray that today will be the day that you profit. With that being said, church family, you know, the simple way of saying this is, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked him to be the Lord of your life? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you called him Lord, meaning that you will follow and obey? If you have not done that and you are ready to make that step today, will you lift your hand so I can pray for you? There's a bunch of other people in this room that is excited to just pray with you and to pray for you. Awesome. So let's pray together. Church family, repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for me. Thank you that he rose again from the dead for me. And now I give him my life completely. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, awesome. Church family, let me encourage you this week. Be on mind control. Be battling temptation. Be battling the sinful feelings that we have. And remember that just because you're tempted doesn't mean you've actually sinned. Sometimes Satan will make you think that because you're tempted, you are that. And you might as well go ahead and do that. That's, that's incorrect. It's, it's a shame game. You know, your identity is not in how you feel. Your identity is in Christ. Yeah, I could preach deeper there, but I won't. The other mode I encourage you to be in is uh, be in decision mode. Make sure you're always seeking God's direction for your life. That way he can lead you into uh, the good works he has preordained for you to do. Amen.